Yon. Welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. We are into our final month of 2021. I am your co-host Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host Elizabeth Connor. Can you believe it's, we've been doing this for over 11 months at this point? This is crazy. In fact, we're almost at exactly a year. It'll be 10 days out from our first recording. Wow. Not from our first upload, because uh, I think we recorded our... Actually, huh? did our first episode go up on my birthday? I think so, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it uh, it it's even closer than that, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, uh, barring a couple of hiccups here and there, we've been keeping up with it pretty well. Uh, not sure about you, but as with any reading goal, I'm always looking forward to operating off a clean slate, so season two is going to be fun to get into. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, got a lot of neat stuff I'm looking forward to trying out, mm-hmm. but before we get into any of that talk, uh, how's things been otherwise? Uh, things have been Don't... interesting. Okay, let's, uh, any, uh, podcast interesting or... Or, uh, uh, so my school went on lockdown. Oh, goodness. On Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a shooting in the neighborhood, so. Yeah, it was a. And, th- and like, you know, and I know I've talked about, uh, going on a lockdown before on the podcast, but that. Right. It was under slightly different circumstances. So last time I mentioned it on the podcast, um, I was going around to the classrooms. And so the first time we went on lockdown this year, I was stuck in a classroom, like with the kids I was teaching, but the, like the teacher and the assistant were there and stuff. Um, yeah, this time, uh, I had kids, I had kids in my classroom and I mean, you know, they come on over the intercom, they say lockdown, lockdown, and like the kids, they like they just all it, as like a unit, they just like all stood up. They were going to where I directed them to go, and then the teacher next door to me um, comes into my room and she's like, "No, no, no, you need to come in here because it's safer." So we put all twenty-something kids plus me in her classroom. Uh, like, like we took up one half of the space. Her kids took up the other half of the space. Um, and anyway, yeah, we were safe. They lifted the lockdown like 45 minutes later and it was business as usual. Okay. So dip, uh, that was, uh, Friday you said? Yeah, that was Friday. Yeah. Have we not spoken since then or have you not? Cause, uh, I'm, this is like the first I've heard of it. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I, I haven't called home and like told anybody cause I don't know, like this week at work, like, okay, first of all, let me preface this by saying I love my job. Um, and I'm very happy with my job. Uh, but this was just a tough week at work and I don't know if it's just, you know, coming back from Thanksgiving break or if it's coming back from Thanksgiving break with the knowledge of we're only going to be in school for three more weeks and Anyway, like, things have just been a little chaotic. Uh, Kids have been a little squirrely. Um, I've been a little short-tempered. And anyway, so it was just kind of a rough week at work. And whenever I have a rough day at work, um, I just kind of like to drive home in silence. 
Oh, sure. Because normally my commute time is my phone call time. Yeah. But when I have a when I have a rough day, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to listen to anything. I just want to sit in silence. Right. All right. Well, I hope you're feeling better. I am. And we are, now, we are now two weeks away from Christmas break, so. Nice. I'm hoping that now, and, like, uh, everybody will be a little bit more settled into our routine. Right. Going into this week. That'll be good. Yeah. So, uh, things have been uh, pretty good over here. We started getting our, the Halloween, the holla, the Christmas decorations down today. Fun. Which, uh, we still have a lot of boxes and whatnot out in the living room, so we've been sort of playing three-dimensional Tetris, getting everything rearranged and where we want it. Yeah. Uh, big thing we got down, of course, was the tree, which we, I was surprised to realize we didn't get down last year, which I guess, of course, with COVID and everything, uh, I think that sort of, like, flattened my memory of that whole season. So, I just presumed we'd gotten it down because that's what we normally do. But, uh, no, we didn't have a tree last year. And, um, I mean, I guess we had, like, a little, like, show tree that we might have just set up on a table somewhere. But, um, not the, like, large eight-foot artificial one that we normally get. Right. And, uh... The year before last, when we last got it down, we did a, like a half tree sort of situation where we uh, left the base off and just put the middle and top sections in the stand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I this year that. we're going for the yeah yeah it it actually worked out fairly well. But this year we're going for the full eight foot experience. Okay. Uh, we got Very a bunch cool. of yeah got garlands and wreaths set up on the porch, and uh, got the tree set up gonna. Maybe try and get a strand or two of lights on it before the evening's over. And uh, looking forward to all that. We we don't get too wild with our decorations around these parts. Um, we have like some lights that we string here and there. And we have a fair bit of uh, uh, decorations that we do on like mantles and uh, shelving and such. But that's about the extent of it. Yeah. And uh, this will be our, of course, we just got the new kitten, so we'll be interesting to see how she handles all these oh, yeah. like, new things to explore. Spicy she's not, she's not been, yeah, Nate, she ain't been too bad about chewing on cables, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't be sure if that's just a matter of accessibility, because most of the cables in my room are pushed up against the walls, and she seems to be more attracted to stuff that's like hanging out in the open. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I'm, uh. I've got to keep her out of the room when I record because I've got my laptop and my microphone plugged in and they're hanging off of the bed and that's a sure uh, thing as like drawing her attention as anything. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. We didn't really, we didn't decorate for Christmas at all last year either, uh, largely because of COVID. Um, and, and so and then, and you know, like we had had to throw away our uh, our artificial tree because like the cats destroyed it. Um, sure. So I I plan on going a little ham this year. Um, 
I'm going to be a little limited because I do have a cat who likes electric cords. Yes. And so anyway, I'm planning on making my cat repellent spray tonight. Um, okay. And clearing the corner for the tree and spraying down the corner and then putting the tree up tomorrow. And then when we have Andrew on Tuesday, um, like actually, you know, as a family, like decorating the tree. Right. And it's, and I bought a, and I bought a pre-lit tree, but I have extra lights in case, like, I feel like the pre-lit tree doesn't have enough lights. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, some friends of mine, um, I think their old tree was pre-lit as well, but, uh, uh, I forget if they, like, broke in transit at some point or if they just sort of wore out, so they, um, had all their stuff set up last time I went to visit and looked real festive. Oh, good. Yeah. So, I, I, I always enjoy, like, I mean, we've never gotten into, like, the whole yard full of inflatables and like animatronics and stuff but we've always been like a pretty solid like christmas tree family you want to know what i think last time yes uh i was just gonna say i think one of the joys of my commute to and from work is um if i go my regular way like to and from work like if i don't plan on like stopping anywhere or anything like that um there is a group of townhouses like at the corner, at the intersection, at one of the intersections where I have to turn, and mm-hmm. one of the townhouses, I mean, you know, if you live in a townhouse, you do not have big yard space. Right. But there's this one townhouse, like, they they make the most of their limited yard space. Oh, and yeah. they have all kinds of inflatables and lights and animatronics, like, just right there in front of their little townhouse. And they did the exact same thing for Halloween, and it was just adorable. Yeah, I don't know about Hollow. I don't know about uh, Christmas, but I know we had like the Straka houses uh, down in Malden that just go ham for Halloween. Yeah. Like a spirit Halloween just fell out of the sky into these people's lawns. Yep. But uh, yeah, I ain't uh, seen. Um, that much big Halloween uh, Christmas decorating as mm-hmm. uh, late. The one is actually the one that I has caught my eye is actually like this one apartment at one of the complexes I go to, where uh, they've just like got wreaths and garlands and such all over the uh, railing to their balcony. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a sort of display style uh, setup, mm-hmm. like you'd see at a store. But yeah, I'm I'm digging it. Hadn't been listening. We we have like Christmas music on, on occasion, but not so much that you sort of get burnt out on it. Yeah, we yeah. um. I did find a station to play, uh, to play Christmas or that plays Christmas music. I think it's like out of Columbia. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. Things are yeah, I, things are very strange in like the Florence radio world. Hmm. Yeah, because I was gonna say Greenville's. Uh, I think we've got like two Christmas stations mm-hmm. at this time of year. So we're never we're not really hard up. Right. All right. 
So, anything else you feel like talking about? Mm, not that I know of. Not that I can think yeah. of. I don't really have much book, non-book-related stuff uh, coming to mind. Nor do I have that much book-related stuff coming to mind. <laughs> because I hit something of a wall in the uh, last week and a half. Oh, no. And I wouldn't... Yeah, wouldn't attribute that entirely to, I guess, the truncated uh, span of time that we're working with this time around. I believe the last episode we recorded, um, uh, the Monday af uh, Monday before last. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually like catching up a bit on our schedule routine, and then of course our listeners are getting it even earlier because the last one dropped the day before thanksgiving actually it may have may have strictly speaking dropped on thanksgiving uh when i finally managed to get it uploaded so yeah yeah that's just how that worked out but i'll try and be a bit more expedient with the editing on this one can't so uh, i but, did think of one like bookish thing that i would like to share all righty that has nothing to do with uh what i read okay okay do you remember my text message from earlier in the week? <laughs> I did get that. You were uh, speaking about a certain book that elicited a certain reaction from me in our last record. And I was like, if you thought this was bad, just wait. Well, um, okay. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I found what looks to be a real doozy. And I cannot wait to report back on it next time. Okay. It's yep. called... Well, that'll be... Yes. It's called Totally Frosted, and it's like a Christmas shifter book. Okay. But there's a curse that's been placed upon the shifter, and so when he shifts, he turns into a gingerbread man. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can't oh. wait. I cannot wait. Elizabeth. I can't um, wait. I think the arc of this first season has been <laughs> like just how utterly unhinged your taste in reading is. Cause goodness, where do we where do, where is there to go from here? It's gonna get <laughs> I think Wow. That's gonna that's gonna be a trip. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 honestly thrilled. I can't wait to report back, back on it for it. the next episode. Yeah. So, that I got that to look forward to. Mm. Yes, we both do. Ugh. But, uh, yeah. Uh, we're about at the 15-minute mark, looks like. So, mm -hmm. you want to start talking books? Yeah. Um, okay, so I read seven books. Nice. Um... And outside of like the challenge and um, I, I'm going to go from uh, how do I, how do I want to do this? Okay. So like I read a whole series and then the last book I read um, like was so good. It made me cry or made me get a little teary eyed. And then there's another book. It's actually the sequel to Ivory White from the last episode that elicited mm -hmm. such response. I think I'm going to end on that one. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start with the series first. So the series that I read 
is the Highest Bidder series, and it was co-authored by Lauren Landish and Willow Winters. Um, it's a series of four okay. books. And um, in the order that they are is Highest Bidder Bought, Sold, Owned, and Given. And basically, it's about a group of, like a friend group or an acquaintance group, I guess, of billionaires who are members of um, a BD, like a like a BDSM club. Okay. And so it's like uh, it's like literally someone had the idea of like how do we improve upon Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, and so basically. Uh, the reason why it's called Highest Bidder is because this particular club um, has monthly auctions where uh, where submissives um, will put themselves up for auction and Highest Bidder wins. And the bidding starts at like half a million dollars. Um, the, the woman, because they're typically women, uh, the woman gets mm-hmm. half of whatever the the bidder pays and the other half goes to um like uh women's shelters and domestic violence charities and stuff like that um okay so anyway like the first so anyway like that's just what the whole series is about it's about uh these four men and um how they meet the loves of their lives through this club. I will say the series is definitely better than 50 shades of gray. Cause I read all oh, of those books and like, I, what? I read those books like fairly early on in my like romance and like my romance journey. Uh, but I can definitely say that these yeah. are hands down like a hundred percent better than 50 shades of gray. Okay. So that was the, the highest bitter series. Um, those were good. I liked those. Uh, one of the books I read, just briefly touching on it, is called Redeeming the Rose. Uh, it's about, I don't know, it's about an EMS worker who is hounded by, you know, is hounded by guilt because he lost a patient and now the dad in his grief is like blaming him for the daughter's law or for the daughter's death. Uh, but he also meets this newcomer in town who works for his sister's, um, flower shop and it's all very like family angst like there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of like family issues and family relationships and you know trying to figure out like when does family butt in and when does family leave stuff alone so anyway that was that one um it was pretty good it wasn't my favorite but it was pretty good my favorite though was it's the first book in the Dreamland Billionaire series. It's called The Fine Print, and it is by Lauren Asher. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. it is about... Uh, so the series is going to be about um, three brothers, the Kane brothers, and basically their grandfather... Their grandfather's basically Walt Disney. Because, oh, okay. like, instead of Disney World, you have Dreamland and... Their father yeah. was like an animate was like an illustrator and an animator and created animated movies and then started the the theme parks and now has a billion dollar industry and uh, anyway the the first book is based off is uh, focuses on Rowan 
So the grandfather has recently died and the grandfather has given stipulations to each of the grandsons saying this is a task that you must accomplish within this time frame um, in order to receive your shares in the company. And if Hmm. you don't complete the task that I have given you, your shares are going to go to your father. And the boys all have a very, very tense relationship with their father. It's not a good relationship at all. Um, So anyway, uh, Rowan's job is to go be the director of Dreamland in Florida and basically like improve improve it. He's got six months to come up with ideas to improve upon it. Um, And then he's got to present his ideas at the end of that six month period to... um, a panel of his grandfather's choosing and they will either approve his changes. And if they approve, if, if, if his changes get approved, he gets his shares. And if they don't approve, then he will not get his shares. Um, okay. so anyway, he goes down there and he meets a woman named Zara, who at the time is working in, um, like the little salon for, you know, little girls who want to come, Little girls and little boys who want to come, like, be dressed up as princesses and princes. Uh, So, anyway, that's her job. And he meets her. And, anyway, through plot devices, she ends up working a lot more closely with him. She ends up getting a promotion and working a lot more closely with him. And then their relationship progresses. And... And and here's why I love this book. Because, yes, I loved Zara. And, yes, I loved Rowan. But it gets down to the part in the book. Because in every romance book, no matter what, you've got that part in the book where you don't, like, something comes between the two protagonists. Um, And, like, they need Mm -hmm. a break. They're not really sure if they can be together because this stuff is just too big of a deal. Um, And when they were going through that moment... I like legit cried because I cared so much about these characters. Like the author made me care about these characters. Oh, and yeah, it was wonderful. I loved it. And so I of course went to go get the second book and it's not out yet. Oh, right. Yeah. I I mean, you can't just marathon them all. No, unfortunately you can't. No. Um, so yeah, so that's I count. Six yeah, that books. was six. So my seventh one is the uh, is the sequel to Ivory White, and I didn't know if you wanted me to talk about it now or if you wanted to go to a break first. Yeah, okay, we can All cut right, to cool. a break, um, and when we get back, we're gonna hear the rest of what Elizabeth had to read, and uh, we'll be talking more about other stuff. Yeah, we'll see you in a minute. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. And we are just coming back from our break. Uh, Before the break, uh, I was in the middle of talking about some of the books that I've read in the past two weeks. I think I was able to get through like six of them. And then that brings me around to my final one before uh, we get into the challenge for uh, this time around. Right. Uh, So, as we remember from our last episode, Thomas had quite the reaction to Ivory White, the first book in the House of Misfits, Misfits series by Cambria Hebert. Hebert. Yes. Yes. So. I, uh, 
I feel like I've actually blocked out a fair bit of that. But um, do you want to remind the listeners what that series was about? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, in the first, so but it, House of Misfits is basically following uh, the lives and loves of an apartment of men. Um, and the first book happened to center around uh, Ivory White, who is a New York socialite and heiress and and CEO. Um, right. And uh, and she falls in love with what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Ah, shoot, I can't remember. Anyway, she falls in love with this guy who she meets in a bar. The bar is called the Rotten Apple. Um, she, yeah, okay. He, oh, this is the uh, the Snow White. Yeah, the Snow uh, White retelling. Yes. Right. Um, okay, so I went to uh, book number two, which is called Prince. And this is okay. actually a um, this is a a gay romance novel because both of the romantic leads are men. Um, right. So the quote unquote prince is uh, actually Ivory's formerly betrothed um, formerly betrothed I don't know friend guy boyfriend sure. whatever he is. Uh, okay. And his name's Ethan. And Ethan yes. is gay. Like, makes no qualms about oh. it. Is fairly open. Like, he's he's gay. And anyway, oh. so Ethan is just, you know, kind of bebopping along in his uh, corporate life. He is the heir to his own company. Um, and he's just going about, you know, living the dream. And then we meet one of the other roommates, or we met one of the other roommates in the first book. His name is Fletcher. And in the in the Ivory White book, like, Fletcher comes across as being, like, a very dopey character. Like, that's how even how he's described as, like, dopey. Mm. But yes. this book is, this one's kind of strange. Because when you're going through and you're reading this book, when you're reading Prince, it's like a retelling of both Sleeping Beauty but also the animated version of Rapunzel. Okay. Like the Disney version Rapunzel. Sure, um, sure, sure. Because How so? Okay, so as you kind of read through the book, you kind of realize that or actually you you pretty much like gather fairly early on in the book uh, that, that Fletcher's mom, who is a terrible human being, by the way, that Fletcher's mom really isn't his mm -hmm. mom. Um, and there are some friends of Ethan, like family friends, who when Ethan was younger, like, I mean, talking to like two or three, maybe four, uh, their, chi their child was kidnapped yep. from their nursery. Okay. And... And so, anyway, there's this kidnapped child, and then Fletcher shows up. His mom is a terrible human being. Uh, you kind of, then you meet the man whose son was kidnapped, and he's, like, looking at Fletcher weird. Fletcher's getting, like, weird vibes. Um, 
And anyway, like things happen. Well, Fletcher is also a very gifted uh, violinist. And so he is, he performed at one of Ivory's fashion shows. And so he's kind of like making waves in the uh, upper crust of New York society because he's very, very talented. And all of the um, socialites and businessmen want to hire him to perform at their functions. And he's just been like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, Ethan is like, you know, you never really gave me an answer. I was like really banking on you to perform for this, this event. So Fletcher's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Um, and anyway, like Ethan is just very like dominant alpha male. I'm going to take what I want. Um, and he decides he wants Fletcher and Fletcher is just like very, Mm -hmm. very innocent and is just kind of like trying to figure himself out while also like realizing that he has an attraction to Ethan. Uh, but as the book continues, like I said, you have this thing of like a weird mix between sleeping beauty and the animated Rapunzel. Um, so like at one point, Ethan and Fletcher go up on the roof of Ethan's uh, penthouse and like there's fireworks going off because the parent, because Fletcher's parents or the parents of the, you know what? It's Fletcher's parents because Fletcher's parents like shoot off fireworks every year on his birthday just to like, yeah. you know, in case he's still alive to like make sure that he knows that they love him. And that was a, that was a, that was a plot point in Rapunzel. Yeah. I'll s- oh yeah, and the yeah like, in the animated Rapunzel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah tangled. tangled. That's what it was called. Um, and then, do you remember in Sleeping Beauty where the fairies can't decide on what color her Aurora's dress should be, so they're changing it like pink. So like it's pink, then it's blue, then it's pink, then it's blue. There yes. is a part in the book where Ivory is trying to get Fletcher, like Ivory and her stylist are trying to get Fletcher dressed for an event. And the two of them are arguing over the color of the tie that he should wear. And they're going pink, blue, pink, blue. Okay. So anyway, that was. So you think, so it's definitely the, uh, the Disney incarnations of these stories that you think the it, author's drawing Very on. much so. Very much so. Um. And the only time that I really feel, like with this particular story, the only time I really feel that the author kind of dropped the ball is I feel like she did a really, really good job of like setting Fletcher up as like this very innocent, very naive uh, love interest. And then he gets Mm -hmm. really, he gets really like experienced really fast. Okay. So anyway, that was that one. Yeah. And then uh, the third book, which I have not started reading yet, but I did read the synopsis or like, you know, the about me. It is very much straight up Rapunzel because it's about a girl who is in a tower and she's got really long hair. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I I mean, that sounds a lot less like sort of over the top than the previous book. It was and it wasn't, but it's like kind of hard to describe how it wasn't. You just have okay. to read it. You'd have to read it to know. Okay. That's cool. And like I said, I uh, didn't read that much this week. I got the one book finished and uh, had another book that I'd started and um, not, not in, in, I'm certain if I'm going to f- 
see it through. It's not a long book, so I'd be inclined to finish it off just for its mm -hmm. own sake. It's not even that it's poorly written. It's just uh, not really grabbing me, like, narratively mm -hmm. speaking. I appreciate the prose, but uh, the story is sort of heading in a direction where I'm not sure it'd really pull me along. Yeah. Uh, in a way that the, the book that I did manage to finish managed to. So... Anyway, the book I read for this week was uh, In the Watchful City by E, by S, Kyo Yi Lu. I can't be certain as to that name pronunciation, but uh, it's a, as uh, described by the author, a bio cyberpunk story set in a sort of future mythical China mm -hmm. where, um, like, mythical creatures like mermaids and kitsune and such exist alongside like real mm -hmm. humans and uh the plot of the book centers around a, a character named anima who i guess like the descriptions seem most evocative of uh, the character of a dryad mm -hmm. there's like a heavy like like mythologized like connection to plants and nature mm -hmm. but it's left sort of like ambiguous and uh and uh, anima is uh sort of a revered uh employee of the state mm -hmm. i guess she um occupies one of the nodes of the city's uh communications infrastructure basically She's like one of a certain kind of being who monitors and facilitates the uh, passage of information around yeah. the city. And part of that uh, power like comes with the ability to like body hop between like subhuman creatures. Mm -hmm. So like she can take possession of the bodies of birds and dogs and rats and such to go about the city and attempt to carry out various mm -hmm. duties and uh so that's her character and you come to learn a bit about her history uh before becoming the being that she is and sort of what her aspirations for life are but uh plot of the book as it is hinges on her encounters with a uh a creature called a well not a creature oh, yeah i guess you'd call him a creature called a psychopomp mm -hmm. which uh um, is sort of vague as to what the nature of that creature is but is essentially a human being who has made a bargain to uh retain their life on the verge of death uh in order by uh setting out upon a uh, sort of mm -hmm. mission and the mission that the psychopomp is on uh, whose name is vessel is to fill this magical cabinet full of uh, mementos each of which bears a mm -hmm. story and once the cabinet is full then vessel will be reincarnated uh in some form or another and so when Vessel arrives at Anima's door, she is the, they, or rather they, are the last, uh, I guess, like, 
person that Vessel needs to collect a story mm-hmm. from. And so Vessel and like Anima doesn't really know what kind of story or what kind of memento to give Vessel to complete their mission. But in lieu of that, and in uh, the meantime, uh, Vessel will allow Anima to select various items from the cabinet to regale them with the stories mm-hmm. that they've collected. And the book itself is kind of half novella around uh, uh, Anima and her quest for like self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And the various stories that Vessel has to tell uh, in the meantime. And through these short stories, you get a more broad understanding of the politics and the uh, societal structures of the world that the story is set Mm -hmm. in. So, like, there's this one uh, story that is essentially the collected letters of of a former... Uh, regent of the king of like the of monarchy um, their correspondence with a deposed sort of co-ruler mm-hmm. and uh, then there's another one that's like an account of a sort of a futuristic athlete and their like climactic match with a n- opponent from um, another state in their country that a outside force are sort of pitting against each other. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just just sort of general, like, interesting stories that kind of have the, like, subcurrent of, like, romance and um, tragedy and such about them. And Anima is kind of an emotionally muted character by virtue of their like position in society so these stories start to rile feelings in them that they need to come to grips with and terms of like what their ultimate uh like desires are mm-hmm. to be so it's not a dramatically dense book like anima's actual like arc is pretty like uh like low-key i guess you'd say yeah but um a lot of the short stories that are interspersed throughout have a lot more like punch to them and uh it's just sort of a chill read i mean it's there's some pretty heavy themes like there's this one probably the heaviest section of the book is where anima uh witnesses a suicide mm-hmm. and um like their attempts to prevent it and like the fallout from failing to so there's definitely a content warning for that. And uh, some of the other stories have like some pretty like graphic depictions of like self-harm and such that uh, people would need to be aware of going in. But it's all done fairly sensitively and with like a like a very sympathetic like perspective on the parties mm-hmm. involved. And then also just the general world building is uh, pretty colorful and engaging. So it's just a really enjoyable read. Mm-hmm. And it's not that long at all. I finished it in just a few days. But uh, 
uh, yeah, that's uh, In the Watchful City by S. Liu. And uh, that was my book cool. for this week. And now you've got a couple more books to tell us about before we wrap up. Uh, if the listeners who weren't here about a month past don't know, um, the last challenge I issued to Elizabeth for this year was to read a pair of books that I had gotten for her for Christmas, uh, I guess. I think last year. Last yeah. year? Yeah. So, they weren't especially long, but Elizabeth hadn't gotten around to reading them, so I uh, assigned her those books to read, and why do you want to tell the listeners what those books sure. were? Sure, so the, the first book was um, Bookshelf by Lydia Pine, uh, and it's a book about bookshelves. And then okay. the other book is uh, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Kim Cooper, um, which is based off of an album by the same title. By the band yeah, Neutral from Milk Hotel. Yeah, by Neutral Milk Hotel, who, you know, I remember distinctly listening to that album and, like, I loved it. Like, I love that album. Okay, yeah. so both of these books are from, like, series of uh, essays. Mm-hmm. Like, each book is itself an extended, extensive essay on its specific subject, mm-hmm. and they're parts of series that were about various subjects. The um, the Neutral Milk Hotel book is from a series of authors writing about singular albums. Yeah. And the other book, Bookshelves, is from a series on just various objects. Yeah, it says Object Lessons like, at the uh, top. Object, and in the back yeah. inside cover, it's yeah. got, like, other, like, uh, like refrigerator and hotel and cigarette lighter and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how'd they go? So, how I guess they? it's just fair that, like, I, I end the year the way I started when it came to challenges. I was way too overconfident with myself, and I didn't get these done. <laughs> Oh, you didn't no, read them? I, no, okay. I read most of Bookshelf. I've got like 30 pages left to go. Maybe not even that much. Maybe like 20-something. Okay. Um, yeah, yep. so anyway, I've got like 20-something pages left to go on Bookshelf, but I did not read In the Aeroplane Over the Sea at all. Uh, and because, and it was honestly because like they're so like small and short. I was like, oh, I can read those in like a day. Um, or like a day or two, but I was not anticipating and I chose bookshelf first because it's the bigger one of the two and I was not anticipating bookshelf to be as dense as it is. Like that's a lot of information in a little book. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, how is it? So anyway, um, it it is very good. It, so bookshelf is very good and it's like, as I'm reading it, I'm sitting here because, well, anyway, I'm kind of going through not really a crisis. I, I wouldn't say it's a crisis at all. But anyway, I'm kind of going through like this the, the, this mindset of of thinking about like uh, for my next cycle of recertification for teaching. Like, do I want to get another master's degree? Do I want to just get my doctorate? Do I want to do something else? Do I want to get an extra certification? Like, I'm just trying to figure out like what to do with my life. Um, that still involves yeah. teaching and like through reading this book, I'm like, you know what? Like maybe I do need to give some serious consideration to like library school. Um, because 
let's see here. What was one of the chapters? One of the chapters I read today was like specific, like on cataloging and like cataloging systems. Um, mm-hmm. Bookshelves that move. That's where it talked about it. Uh, and, and yes, it, and it okay. does talk about like bookshelves that do actually physically move, but then it also talks about the yeah. um, kind of fluid nature of how books move in and off of the shelf, depending on uh, the cataloging system that's being used. And mm-hmm. like, just from reading that chapter, because when you get a master's degree in library science, one of the specialties that you can go into is cataloging. And I, up until this point, was always just like, why would you want to do that? Like, that just seems, I don't know, that just seems like, not dumb, but that seems uh, a little dry. And after reading, like, that chapter, I was kind of like, okay, that's why you go into cataloging. Like, that makes a lot more sense. Um, It's a lot more nuanced than I realized. Library cataloging B. Okay. Um, but for the most part, yeah. like, I feel like Lydia Pine, uh, she does, which is P-Y-N-E, by the way, um, I feel like okay. she does a really good job of, like, she's not just sitting here looking, she's not just listing historical facts on bookshelves, um, which, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of yes. that in this book. Uh, but she's also kind of talking about, like, the metaphysical purposes of bookshelves and, what does a bookshelf mean in terms of social context and historical t- contexts and um, uh, uh, cultural currency, things like that. And also the relationship right. between the book and the bookshelf. And, you know, is, is the book given meaning when it's placed on the bookshelf or is the bookshelf given meaning when it is full of books? And, uh, also, you know, there's a section on like, I think that's actually getting ready to come up, um, about like, how do you read a bookshelf when you go into somebody's home? Like, what does the bookshelf tell you? And, um, and I also really love how she describes things that you put on a bookshelf that are not books. Like she just calls them not books. Yeah. And that can be anything from CDs to vinyls to stuffed animals to, uh, you know, letters and pictures and film and cameras and whatever else. But it, it is just collectively right. not a book. Yeah, I've been dealing with bookshelves a lot recently. I've been reorganizing my room, trying to get it more uh, accessible. Mm-hmm. And uh, that deals, that entails a lot of like just getting rid of stuff. Like I've cleaned out a lot of like clothes from my attic. And I've been going through, like, shelves, like, picking off, like, books and movies and stuff that I'm just, like, ready to yeah. cut loose. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, the whole time I'm sitting here reading this book, like, all I could think about was my childhood bookshelf that was in my room. Um, which I'm not really sure what happened to all of the books that were on that bookshelf. But now I know the bookshelf is currently being reused as like storage in the pantry or in the pantry slash laundry room in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, But I just remember how for the reason why I got the bookshelf was because we met this woman when we bought shoes and she and we got into a conversation with her and I told her about how like I love to read and next thing we know, like a week or two later, 
I guess mom had given her our, our address. She shipped us like all of these Babysitter's Club and the Little Babysitter's Club uh, books. Um, and like I think some Sweet Valley High books too. But she had sent us all of these books. And that was really my first, uh, that was my first exposure to the Babysitter's Club series and the little in the yeah. little babysitters club series um and i remember like i got all these books and i kind of looked at mom and was like i don't have a place to put these you know and i'm like seven okay. oh yeah wow i don't remember that i guess if you were seven i would have been five yeah, so, yeah or maybe i was eight uh i was like seven or eight and you were like five or six and getting these books and just being like i don't have a place to put these and so mom and dad like got me a bookshelf and I remember like quote unquote helping put it together and it was white and it had like I don't know four or five shelves and that book stayed in my yeah. room from when I was eight until well after I moved away from home and for the most part the items that were on that bookshelf stayed on that bookshelf like I don't ever like, oh, right. I don't ever remember taking my Babysitter's Club series books off of it until it was, until mom decided to like, or asked permission to repurpose the bookshelf. Right. Oh, man. So this, uh, this segment's really had some twists and turns about it. Has. It has. Yeah. So anyway. So, uh, are you, um. So anyway, yes. I've got like 20-something pages left in Bookshelf, which I am going to finish it. Honestly, I'm probably going to finish it tonight. And then um, I do okay. plan on reading In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Kim Cooper um, this week. So. Okay, so where do you stand on um, like counting them towards your word totals? Uh, because I technically, because I did not complete the challenge by the time we're taping this episode, I had not intended on... Yeah counting them in my word totals um i was just okay. gonna count i don't see i was just as... gonna count them towards like my you know yearly book reading goal right okay well i think that sounds about right i don't view it as like too big a uh a blow to your performance so far yeah i mean you know, in terms of challenges, unless for some reason you just, like, don't complete the next one, like, you will beat me on challenges. Because okay. I've yeah, lost and, uh, two now, and you've only lost one. And what was the one I lost? You did not finish Anna Karenina on script, on, wait, not script, uh, Serial, the Serial right. app. Yes. I, I'd complete, I'd forgotten about that even being tied to a challenge yeah, that was because because I, I still haven't finished it i've got like 30 chapters yeah. to go so and uh so yeah i'll be still working towards that uh these last few weeks at least to get the book uh on the on the thing yeah so all right let's uh get some word totals posted then and uh We'll be getting yep. on with it. Uh, like I said, I read In the Watchful City by S. Gyo Yi Lu, which had an wor estimated word total of 44,075. Brings my current word total up to 4,066,008. Okay. 
And uh, for the past two weeks, I've read seven books, which brings my word total for the two weeks to 513,354, which brings my total word total up to 9,490,444. Wow. Do you think you're going to break 10 million? I think I'm going to break 10 million. I really do because I'm going to read, well, no, these two books are not going to count towards the word total, but, um, I have, I hit, I hit TikTok pretty hard, uh, over the last couple of days and I've gotten a lot of like Kindle unlimited recommendations. So I have kind of like, you know, gone ham on the borrowing. All right. Well, speaking of TikTok, I think that's as good a point as any to, point people towards our socials and thank them for listening yeah so um well first of all thank you guys for listening we do so appreciate it and you can find us on socials you can find us at facebook twitter instagram literally club and tiktok at your words podcast you can also email us at your com, and no, no, no. I'm uh, sorry. That's our website. That's our website. Yourwordspodcast.com is our website where you can find us. And you can email us at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as far as thanking our listeners go, uh, November was a real big month for us. I think it was our second highest month, just barely uh, falling short of August's numbers. And uh, I think we're on track to have maybe 700 downloads in our first year which i think is a real good start we really appreciate everybody's involved engagement with the show giving us a chance and we hope to hope to really kick it into another gear coming on the Mm -hmm. year up that's right so yeah in the spirit of that uh we'll be heading on out Once again, I've been Thomas Dempsey. And I'm Elizabeth Connor. It's been your words against mine. And as always, goodbye. goodbye.